Hey, Mom. I know I haven't always been the best at showing you my thankfulness. I know I should have listened better and learned from wisdom more than consequence. But the truth is, I was listening. Even when my actions showed the opposite. I was listening when you told me that you would never leave. I was listening when you said you would give anything for me. I was listening when you assured me that everything would be okay. I was listening when you talked to God. And when you taught me how to pray. So let this be the thanks that I've been much too slow to give. And let this bring you peace when it seems like I forget. You've taught me so much, Mom. With all the things that you said. But you've taught me even more. With the way that you have lived. I love you, Mom. I love you, Mom. I love you, Mom. I love you, Mom. Love you, Mom. Amen. We love you, mamas. Yes. We love you, mamas. Uh, we, put, we put that little poem together and had, you probably recognize a lot of those people. Those are people from the heart. We just wanted to give a little message to our moms, a message of gratitude. We're so thankful for what you guys have done in our lives. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Seth. I serve as our creative pastor here at Heart of the City Church. I also serve uh, on our preaching team. Um, this is actually the last time that you guys are going to hear from me for a little bit. Uh, because uh, after today, tomorrow, I'm starting a six-week sabbatical uh, as it kind of commemorates uh, seven years. Uh, I've been on, on pastoral staff here for seven years, so I'm going to be uh, pulling back for six weeks, and I'm sure going to miss you guys, but I believe that God has um, something special for that time. Um, this is my sister. We, uh, we moved here with our parents 15 years ago, 15 years ago, back in the summer of 06, uh, in order to plant this church, Heart of the City. Uh, we were 14 and 12 years old. Little bonus, little bonus fact for all of you. Um, my wife, she's here sitting with her family today, but my wife is 23 weeks pregnant this weekend with our firstborn son. So, so this, is, this is the first Mother's Day that we're celebrating her as a mama, and uh, we're so excited about that. My name is Jamie, and I'm married to Topher. It'll be seven years in June. Um, yes, very exciting. Um, he, we served here as a youth pastors for about five years, and now he is in full-time music, and I stay at home with my son, Jonesy, and I also work pretty part-time here at the church as the promotions director. Um, my son is a year and a half. His name is Jonesy Ray James, and he is the best. <laughs> He's awesome. I'm sure every mom would say that about the kid, but he, he really is awesome. Um, and so I'm really honored to um, get to share today. Yeah, so we, yeah, it's Mother's Day, obviously, and uh, we wanted to, even though our, our primary job as preachers of the word is to preach the word, it is to uh, speak to you what we believe that God is speaking from, from the scriptures, um, we really felt stirred these past couple weeks as we've been preparing to uh, kind of deliver a message that would communicate the way that God shares his heart and the way that he has imprinted his image um, onto moms and the way that he expresses his character specifically through that role. So today's message is called, What Mom Taught Me About God. Yeah, our primary passage today is one that a lot of you will probably be pretty familiar with. Uh, it's used a lot when talking about women in general. Uh, it comes from Proverbs 31, but there's a specific reason that we're using that passage today. Uh, and that is, it's easy to miss, but if you look at the very beginning, uh, before the more famous part of, of the chapter, it actually says that King Lemuel learned this from his mom. 
It was a lesson from King Lemuel's mom. And because we believe that all scripture is God-breathed, inspired from God, amen, we also believe that this description from Lemuel's mom is a God-breathed description of a godly woman. And so we wanted to lay out this description first because we're going we're gonna to take you through some passages in the scriptures where God's posture, his behavior, his character is actually compared to that of a mother. And as we look at those comparisons, we want to see, hopefully through God's lens, uh, what this godly woman would look like. So we're going to read in Proverbs 31. We're going to start in verse 8 through 29. So um, it'll be on the Sky Bible. It is quite a chunk of scripture. So starting in verse 8, it says, Open your mouth for the meal, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Amen. I love that. To all the husbands in the house, for those of you who have a trouble with romantic things, this is a perfect little phrase for you. Just <laughs> to many write in a card. <laughs> have done excellently, but you surpass them all. If you have trouble with creativity, God has there made it, it very easy for you to communicate exactly what you, be, you should be sharing with your wife. Amen. Will you pray with me, church? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living, that it is not just some old collection of documents, but that it is your very heart and your very breath. Lord, we pray that our hearts will be good soil this morning. We pray that mothers will be blessed, but God, we also pray for all those who have seen mothers in their lives and have experienced mothers in their lives, and as they hear these words, God, that they would see your heart for them. We entrust ourselves to you, Lord, and we pray that you would transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So it's only fair that for Mother's Day that we share um, a few stories about our mom. Um, Most of you know her as Ray Dean, but we first know her as mom. So um, one of my favorite stories about my mom is when I was younger, um, when I started talking, I was babbling, and I kind of just had my own own language. I don't think anyone could understand what I was saying, but I 
did, I guess. So I would talk a lot, I would make up words, and even as I got a little bit older, um, I started forming words, but I had a hard time saying um, R's and certain things, so I kind of just made words for different words. So like, for example, uh, for cereal, I called it civvy, and money, I called diddly. Um, and so I just, you know, just had some of my own words. And as I got a, lo- a little bit older, um, I, I had a hard time saying my R's. So like things like hamburger was hangaba. And you know, uh, you know, when you're little, that's cute. But when, as you get a little bit older, people started pointing it out. People started making fun of me. And so when my mom noticed that people started making fun of me, she said, well, you need to tell them you have an accent. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, it makes sense. So for years, I grew up telling people that I had an accent. Like, we don't know exactly where from, but I had this accent. And so um, just like two or three years ago, like two or three years ago, me and Seth, I mean, we are adults now. We are no longer teenagers, kids. We were at my parents' house. It was just me and my mom, dad, and Seth. And we were watching home videos. And there was one of me when I was younger and I was talking. And all of a sudden, Seth Seth goes, oh my gosh, Jamie, like you had a pretty serious speech impediment. And before I could even like defend myself or say anything, all I hear from the kitchen is my mom fight back and say, no, she did not. She had an accent. (laughs) So there it is, folks. I had an accent that went away. (laughs) Amen. Uh, long after Jamie's accent supernaturally disappeared, uh, when we were in high school, um, you know, the, the lighthearted story of, of mom advocating for her, uh, to not that she had a speech impediment, but that she had an accent. My, my mom's advocacy for us definitely didn't stop there. Uh, when we were in high school, I remember, um, I was going through, uh, the darkest time of my life. I had uh, certainly wandered to a certain extent. Um, I was, uh, you could say I was living a little bit of a double life. Uh, We still had the church here, right? And so I needed to put on a good face for all the church folk um, and for my family. uh, But that's not, but I wasn't living consistently with the way that our parents had raised us. I was not being kind to Jamie and I was not... uh, I was not being loving toward God. Um, and I remember during that time, I would sometimes go upstairs and uh, in my room, either on my dresser or in my dresser, my mom would leave me little notes. And I thought it was sweet at the time, and I, and I was grateful, and I was thinking, well, my, this is what moms do. But in those notes, she would, uh, she would write to me about who I was and, who, and, and the way that she saw me. And what was, what was so beautiful is that she didn't write about how I was currently acting. She didn't write about my current conduct, my current behavior. But she spoke to who I really was and who I would be. And I didn't realize it at the time because I was a teenage boy and I was a knucklehead. But my mom was prophesying over me. She was not just foretelling about what would come in my future, although she was doing that. But she was also foretelling my true identity in God, even though it wasn't what she was seeing on the surface during that time. If she wanted to just look at the things which are seen, she probably wouldn't have had too many nice things to say. But she was looking to the things which are unseen. And she knew the promises over my life, and she spoke to those. My mom, she spoke to Jamie and let her know that she wasn't, she wasn't broken, and she wasn't deficient. And she had her way of describing that. And she spoke to me and let me know 
that regardless of how I was living during that season of my life, that I was meant for something much bigger, much more. So in these stories, we obviously are talking about our biological mom who has played a huge pivotal role in our lives. Um, And I know there's a lot of biological moms in here that your kids would say the same thing. Um, As mothers, I think that we can agree that childbirth is not the only, the fullness of what a mother is. Um, And I think that sometimes on this weekend, um, it's easy for women to write themselves off from the celebration of motherhood. And so it, Motherhood can manifest in a lot of different ways, and so we want to just take a minute, and when we say mom, just share from our hearts what we mean by mom. Um, And so maybe you're a mom here today who doesn't have any biological children here on earth because you've outlived them or maybe even lost them before they left the womb. Um, A couple years ago, me and my mom shared on Mother's Day, and my story looked a lot different than it does today. Um, When we shared, I just, it was a few months after, I had found out that I had miscarried with our, me and my husband's uh, second baby. And um, little did I know that after I would share, I would actually miscarry again a few months after that. And it really shook me to my core. And there were days that I genuinely wondered if I was ever going to like be okay or go back to to how I was. And I'll tell you that I never went back to how I was, but God's restored hope and that joy that I had, he's restored that back. And so if that's you today, I just want to tell you that I see you and you're really seen on this Mother's Day. And um, I'm, I'm very thankful to celebrate this Mother's Day, my son being here on earth with me and my three babies in heaven. And I was a mo- mom back then, a couple years ago, and I'm a mom still today. Um, Maybe you're a mom here today who you have had children, um, but they've come through your care through maybe marriage, foster, adoption. Maybe you're a mom here today who um, doesn't have children of their own, but your motherhood has looked like spiritual mentorship and leadership. And so to all of you, we wanted to honor you today. Amen. We honor you, moms. Uh, The question that we are asking today is, is, is what did the mothers in our life, whether biological or spiritual or fostered or adopted, what have the mothers in our lives taught us about God, about his heart, about his character, about who he is? First thing that my mom taught me about God is that he is the ultimate comforter. I, I want you to listen closely to this wording in Isaiah chapter 66. Listen to the way that God chooses to describe himself. This is starting in verse 12. Also on the Sky Bible. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse, you shall be carried upon her hip and bounced upon her knees. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. See, my mom, although this scripture, it's very clear that God is our comforter. My mom didn't teach me about the comfort of God simply by showing me that the scriptures say that he is a comforter. But my mom taught me about the comfort of God by the way that she personally comforted me, the way that she stood in the gap and showed me that part of God's image. I can remember countless times when I came to her, whether it was in fear because of a situation that I was facing, something that was coming down the line, I would have a tendency toward anxiety and worry about about whether it was something to do with school, uh, or, or, or something else. I, I remember just being so discouraged about how relationships were going, especially when we moved here. I was so discouraged. And I remember my mom uh, 
kind of, as it were, kind of taking hold of me and reminding me who I was and reminding me of what my life was truly composed of. Not just this little situation that I was getting all worked up about, but what my life was truly composed of. And through this, she would grab hold of me and she would pull me out of this funk through the comfort that she would give. I've learned a new depth of God's comfort through having my son. Um, when he needs to be comforted, I am there. Like, I am, I'm there for him. I want to comfort her, him. And I'm actually moved to comfort him. Like, when I hear him, I am moved. Even if I feel like I'm tired or I don't really feel like it, I am actually moved to go and comfort him. And I love this parallel in the scripture that God is showing us through a mother and a child. Um, and I think about even when I go to comfort my son and I pick him up and I wrap my arms around him, the same way that that is how God is with us. He picks us up um, and comforts us. And um, I think about even the different cries that my son has. has. Um, and I've learned through just being his mom for a year and a half that some of them he cries and I'm like, you are faking. Like that is a fake cry. But there are cries that if I hear, I will drop everything that I am doing and get to him as soon as possible in like 0.2 seconds. I will be there. And I think about that is how God is with us, that when we cry out for comfort, he is there. He is moved, just like a mom, like move to come and comfort us and be with us. Um, The second thing is mom has also taught me about the gentleness of God. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8, it says, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our our own selves, because you've become very dear to us. I remember times in middle school and high school, and even before that, that I would, you know, finally like work up the courage to go tell my mom something that either I had done, or maybe that was just going on in my life. Um... And I remember just feeling so relieved that I was met with so consistently grace and compassion. When I had maybe worked up this like worst case scenario of what was going to happen, that I was met with grace and compassion and her walking me through those things with, with gentleness. Um, and I just want to say that sometimes I feel like this word gentle can maybe be taken a little bit like negatively, um, like timid or something like that. Um, And I want to just remind you that it is such a strength. Like my mom is fierce and she's gentle. And that, I mean, gentleness is important. It is a fruit of the spirit and it takes a lot of practice, but it is so important that it's this kindness and this tenderness that moms have, that God has towards us. He's gentle with us. Yeah, in this in this passage from First Thessalonians, it's very clear that Paul Paul isn't directly describing God in this sense. He's describing himself, the way that he acted toward toward the Thessalonians, as well as his ministry partners. But what I think is so beautiful is that in Paul's own words, he was acting as an ambassador of Christ. He was there as a representative of God to show this, the Thessalonians what God is like, and this is how he deals with us. He deals with us gently when we come to him with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Uh, the, the, the way that I think about God, it, it moved me toward uh, to, to write these lyrics that we actually sing here in church in one of our songs. It goes like this. You're the kind of king that deals with me gently. The only righteous judge, but you still choose mercy. And it goes on to say, 
You're the kind of love that we were all skeptics of. But you sent proof and payment, a banknote drenched in blood. Which actually uh, takes us to this third thing that mom taught us about God, and, and that is that the love of God is sacrificial and protective. We see the words of Jesus in the book of Luke, in chapter 13, starting in verse 33. Listen again to this description that he chooses to use. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. See, those of us who know the story of Jesus know that when Jesus is describing how a prophet must not die away from Jerusalem, he's really speaking about himself. He is foretelling what he knew would come just a few days later. And, and this, is, this is what just absolutely wrecks me. It's that Jesus knew that the very citizens that he was speaking of, the citizens of Jerusalem, were the ones who were going to demand his crucifixion. He knew that these were the ones who were going to scream out, crucify him. And yet, his heart toward them, as he describes, was still like a mother hen. His heart toward them was to protect them, and to draw them close to himself. I think about how much my mom gave up um, in our childhood just to for us to simply exist and to grow up and the sacrifices that she made. And when I became a mom, when I had Jonesy, I, I really realized the weight of the sacrifices that moms make. And I think about even in times when my mom's health was not, was not doing good. And I remember very specifically times that I actually did not know um, that she wasn't doing well and they shielded us from that for, for seasons and she still showed up and sacrificed. I think about times, even now being, you know, an adult and having stuff happen around me that there's personal things that happen and just thinking back that that, that happened to my mom too. But there was a lot of times that we had no idea what was going on and she sacrificed that and she continued to pursue us and to show up for us. And I love this, this scripture and this, this, what's painted in this is we're under, we're under his wing. And um, probably don't have to tell you because if you know a mom or you are a mom, you know that we're protective of our babies, we, that it's just in us to be protective. And I love that it's God's showing us that how close he is and how protected we are by showing this hen. Like to be under a hen's wing, you, I mean, you got to be pretty close to the hen. And that's what he's saying is shielding under a wing that that's how God is God is with us. Um, the fourth and last thing that we want to talk about is that mom taught me, um, what she taught me was to be strong, but that true strength comes from trusting in God. And in Proverbs 31 that we read earlier in verse 25, it says, strength and dignity are her clothing and she lasts at the time to come. And I am more aware now than ever before <laughs> that my strength comes from him and him alone. And I, I know that my mom knows that too because I remember when we were younger and still now when we spend the night every morning in her bed reading the Bible, praying because she knows that her strength comes from above. Before she can be anything to anybody else, that her strength 
comes from above. And I'm learning this daily as I, as I wait on Jesus, as I talk to him, as I pursue him, that he makes me stronger. And the more that I want to and hopefully will look like him, the more I spend time with him. And just the other day, I, I think I was in a bad, I don't think, I was in a bad mood. I was in a mood <laughs> and I needed a second. And so my husband came downstairs to be with Jonesy and I was gonna go upstairs for a minute. And as I was walking up the stairs, my husband says, I think you need to pray. And I was like, yes, I do. And it wasn't snarky or rude. I mean, there are times that he is snarky, but this wasn't one of them. And he was serious and genuine. And I knew it because it was true that when I try to do it on my own and figure things out, I don't go very far. But when I'm able to trust in him fully and give it to him, he leads me step by step. Amen. I, I love this description of faith. Uh, it's, it's very unique. It says, she laughs at the time to come. And I think about what that kind of posture takes because I have a really hard time laughing at the time to come. I know that, uh, especially in our culture, we can be very future-oriented, and it's not something that we laugh about, but it's something that we fret about. It's something that we worry about. It's something that we obsess about. What's coming down the line, and, and how can I control it, and how can I protect myself and those around me? But I think about this godly woman that Lemuel's mom talks about she has so much faith in who holds her future that she laughs at the time to come. And um, I can think of no greater gift, uh, no greater gift that a mom could give than, than faith in God, and more specifically, uh, faith in his son, Jesus. You know, maybe for you, uh, you weren't raised in a home where your mom raised you that way. You weren't raised in a home where your mom did teach you how to pray. You weren't raised in a home where your mom did uh, try to direct you toward the Lord. But I, I'm willing to bet that there have been some spiritual moms who have tried to chase you down either way. And even if it looks fruitless for them, there's something about mamas that they do not give up on their children. They just don't. It's like when everyone else gives up, mama stays. And... Um, I, regardless of, of how you were raised, whether your biological mom or adopted mom or, or spiritual mom, how, however you were raised, this is God's heart toward you today. That you would know him and that you would trust in him with all of your life. Because his love for you is so extravagant and his love is showed no more extravagantly than in the most beautiful act of him sending his only begotten son to give his life. Jesus gave his life on the cross for us to be saved and for him to be resurrected three days later to be our living hope for eternal life. You know, you may hear that message. Will you stand with me? You may hear that message today and that might be familiar to you and maybe to you, it's, it sounds like old religious tradition or maybe some just mythical story from your childhood. But I, but I got to tell you right now, that could not be further from the truth. In the time that we live in right now, the discussion and the debate over what is true and what is real feels like it's, it's never been hotter. 
But there's nothing that is more real or more true than the finished work of Jesus. And here's the reality. And I'm going to give you a little bit of bad news and a lot of bit of good news. Is that fair? Here's a little bit of bad news. Without faith in this Jesus, without faith in the Son of God, we will be eternally separated from the Father. I don't even like saying that. It's such bad news. We'll be eternally separated from the Father because of our sin without faith in Jesus. But with, can you say with me, with? With faith in Jesus. With faith in Jesus. Not only will we be saved from eternal separation, but saved from sin itself. Seth, why would you make that distinction? Because salvation Faith in Jesus is not just a ticket to the afterlife. It's not just a ticket to heaven. Faith in Jesus is a breaking of the chains that, that seem like they, they hold us so closely, that do hold us so closely when we're not in Christ. We are not just free so that, one, that we can just suffer through addiction and hang up and stronghold and all the things that hold us down throughout our whole life. So just one day we might, we might be able to experience heaven, but we're saved from sin itself. Jesus has made, made a way for us to follow him. That is not just an ethereal phrase, follow me. But he, through the power of his Holy Spirit, he has set us free from living in our filth so that we might follow him in fullness.